Hello everyone and welcome to Avantika Designering Series or ADS as we like to call it. Every week on Wednesday, we feature design and technology leaders who share their professional journey, their thoughts on their domain of work and designering where the world of design and engineering meet. Make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. And with that, let's continue with your show. When we decided to create the ADS podcast show, one of the things that we wanted to highlight was the melting pot environment, the new connected globalized world. Today, in a moment, we are informed and impacted by any activity that may take place in another part of the world. And thus, it is important to take a global perspective. In fact, we wish to do that even in designering. And while we want to do that, who better than Alok Nandi? He is the guru of innovation and design across industries. He's worked with corporate, he's been running his own startup, mentoring few entrepreneurs, coaching at various academic institutions, and there's nothing this man hasn't done. And you'll also be surprised to know his background. He was an electromechanical engineer, then he went on to do his management education and further film studies. However, when you see his LinkedIn profile today, He's been leading user experience companies. In fact, he even started a community in in the same space. With his persisting love for storytelling, he has brought to the table a series of unforgettable experiences and interaction. And taking a cue from his global experience, we thought of taking his opinion on transforming experiences for the future. And as we begin our Avantika Designering series or ADS journey, he is our first gem on our path to discovering designering. Hey Alok, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for joining us on Avantika Designering podcast series. In fact, you are our first speaker on this show and that's very special to us. So Alok, before we start on with our conversation on designering, I wanted to know how are you coping up with the new COVID environment? COVID has uh, resulted in triggering number of questions about our everyday habits and practices and uh, all the impact it has at different levels in our societies. And it forces us to think about so much to do in terms of design, in terms of engineering, in terms of policymaking, in terms of business. So uh, we have so many questions here on the table that I guess it's uh, also if we look that at that in a positive way, it's a great moment for all of our students and uh, and stakeholders to reflect and think about the next. I think that's very aptly and beautifully uh, put across by you. However, while we are in the COVID situation, and since you are a user experience designer, uh, you know, does this work from home format work for you? I would say yes, because I have been doing. Uh, remote working for quite a number of years. So on a personal level, I have all the infrastructure to do what we call work from home. The question as a designer is, how does it work for all the others? Because many don't have 
those infrastructure. And there we have interesting questions popping up like the balance between work space and other activities, but also the balance between work time and other timings. And there are a number of redesigned questions there that uh, I'm looking into. Interesting. So while doing all of this, how do you conduct your user research in such times? How do you do your user research from home? So nowadays, uh, you can't go out and check in the field as we used to do or as we do often. So we have to gather lots of different types of signals. As designers, we are used to look at patterns, try to understand, get hungry about what is happening in the world in different places and try to, to synthesize all this knowledge. So the best way nowadays is read, observe, listen, go into conversations with many stakeholders and try to extract interesting insights. So the center of gravity is more trying to digest all this info, fragmented signals in many scapes, and try to get sense of that. And we are in a kind of a tsunami. So the research question is a complex one. I agree to that. In fact, you know, moving from there to something very interesting about you. While I was doing a research about you, and when I went on to your LinkedIn profile, I had to click on more work experience close to about three times to understand where you started your professional career from. So right from Procter & Gamble to Academia, being an entrepreneur, community creator, you've done so many things. Can you run us through your professional journey? How, is, how, how has the journey been? In a nutshell, I uh, began uh, by studying engineering. And while uh, studying engineering, which is one of the core of uh, this podcast, I studied at the same time business towards the end of my studies. And then I got frustrated. I got frustrated by what I learned in engineering and both in business, and I was interested in cinema. So I went into film studies, and next to that, I got a job offer from Procter & Gamble. So early on, my day job was Procter & Gamble. My night activity was film studies. And since then, I have been doing what we call nowadays multi-task or parallel tasking. So I have been splitting times between some career activities you need to feed your stomach and some patient activities you need to feed your brain or you need to feed your hand. And so I've been uh, navigating between all this and uh, PNG was the first one, but while at PNG, I did a book on uh, Satyajit Ray, and I did an exhibition on Ray in Cannes Festival. And then, because of the success of the exhibition, I left PNG and I launched my first venture. And there, I got interested into uh, web design. So I'm talking about 93, 94, 95, and I began to design websites in 94, 95, and and paradoxically, it was my engineering background, which came back into web design activities. And there began the interrelationships between design and engineering or design and technology. And I got in touch with the publisher of Tintin, the comic book. And I said, we need to think about getting stories from paper to screen. And that's how I got into uh, user experience, web design, interaction, 
computer, machine with humans and storytelling. All these were happening in 94, 95, 96. And in 99, I began to look into augmented reality installations. And one activity while beginning to teach was how can we use technology to tell stories? And that led into 2002, where I uh, co-founded a, a spin-off looking at augmented reality installations for museums and uh, public space. And uh, then in 2004, I sold my shares there and I launched Architempo because I wanted to focus on design early questions. And then the journey has been different scapes, but keeping the design as a main axis. And in 2007, eight, I heard about IXDA and I raised the hand to launch IXDA Belgium. And that's how I got into community activity. But in 2007, I also heard about Pechakcha, Pechakucha, which is a format for sharing stories. And I raised also the hand to organize Pechakcha in Brussels. So these are entrepreneurial activities in non-for-profit context, which are interesting because you need also to look at entrepreneur in different ways. It's not only a, a startup model. There are so many conversations about entrepreneurs. So I've been navigating between design, making and organizing events and academia. So uh, that's the, the journey in a nutshell. And nowadays I'm splitting my time between all this and making sure that one nourishes the other. And that would be uh, a summary of, uh, of the dynamics which keep me busy. Make sure that we look at the world in multiple ways because it's so enriching. Wow, that's so exciting to hear. Do you still make films? Uh, no, I've been uh, involved. I've produced a long feature documentary, which went into 47 festivals in 94, 95, 98. But then I, um, I, I, I was taken by interaction design and UX and UI and all this. And so uh, film is more now uh, a, a parallel activity where I give sometimes talks, I watch movies, and, uh, and I guess one of the... Uh, the sad news of these last days is, for example, uh, Irfan Khan passing away. Irfan was a great actor, and I had the, the privilege of meeting him once in, in Paris. So film is a great space for reinvigorating your mind. Wow, that's so beautifully put by you. Also, Alok, while you've been talking about all of these experiences, how did you get introduced to the world of user interface and user experience? How 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 did this happen? So if I go back, it is in 94 when I got interested into uh, web design. At that time, we didn't use the word UX, though user experience architect was coined uh, two, three years before by Don Norman uh, when he was at Apple. But the usual term was web design. And the end of the 90s, we had user experience becoming a more frequent wording used by everyone. I would say that the challenge I have nowadays with that word user experience is that we have a narrow definition and it's, uh, it, it creates confusion. Like, for example, we have confusion between UX and UI, and that is something we need to dig into. One of the points I often make is that you cannot design experience. You can design conditions for experience to happen because you cannot be in the head or in the hand of a user. 
but you create situation where the user or the consumer does something which fits into the objectives of the user and comes into resonance with the objectives of the provider, the business or whatever. And so these are questions that students need to work on more critically rather than just copy and paste some wireframe. Look at the landscape of uh, websites and apps. They are so boring. Everything looks like the other. And that is a a provocation I am bringing here to this uh, podcast. If we go back into the history of web design and UX in the mid-90s till end 90s, it was so full of energy because you had the ability to explore so many situations. What you see nowadays is that you take a framework and then you copy and paste, you change some variables and that's it. So that would be my uh, my provocation to the listeners of uh, this podcast. That's 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 really exciting and, and that's something really to reflect back for all of our listeners. In fact, when I keep reading about user experience, there are so many different ideologies which are out there. Uh, what's your user experience philosophy? Mine would be... Uh, be agnostic. By that, I mean that design or let's say engineering, we are working on processes and activities which are there to make happen a product, a service, a platform. So we need to be very flexible in trying to use the optimal set of tools and methods which fits a vision and gets in resonance with some emotions and activities of our users and stakeholders. And that requires an elastic mind. You need to be able to understand patterns and behaviors and try to say, okay, what if, what if, what if? But I would like also to add the word, why should I? And, and that is something we will come back later in the conversation. In- that's that's an interesting perspective again. Uh, in fact, Alok, if I look at your career, it's it's been an absolute dynamic ride that you've had. Um, I'm sure that today you are leading teams, you're mentoring, guiding, exploring partnerships, uh, doing, doing a very high-level conversation. Do you still get time to code, make films, uh, sketch some of those creative elements? I do, I do. I try to always keep sometimes, though uh, these last two, three years I've been traveling a lot and that was uh, not allowing me to keep the right time. And now during these last 45 days of uh, of COVID confinement, it was uh, in a way a good moment for me to go back to a number of areas which were abandoned in terms of uh, sketching, exploring, and, and even coding. So I, uh, I'm, I'm back to that. And uh, I would confess it depends on phases. When you are in some projects, then you do less off. But I try to keep some hands on because it allows to feedback in a more meaningful and respectful way. It's difficult even when you manage teams to provide interesting feedbacks if you don't touch to the stuff. And so I try to. So can you share with our audience any any exciting uh, thing that you've done during these last 45 days of confinement? Something that, that you've created that you would like to share with us? 
which has nothing to do with uh, design and engineering or business. Absolutely. Which Absolutely. Is, anything. Yeah. You know, for the last 20 years, I've been doing bread at home. So every two, three days, I'm doing some bread making. And bread is an interesting, bread making is an interesting activity because you have to understand the nature of the material, the dough. Uh, it can be roti, chapati, but it's also bread with yeast and different types of bread. So I've been uh, working on testing new types of bread, and that was uh, quite thrilling. Wow, that sounds yummy. So next time we catch up, we know uh, what is it that we need to hear from you and understand in detail as well. So moving from bread to a very interesting aspect, which is wine, is user experience old wine in a new bottle, Alok? Uh, in, a way, in a way, yes and no. Yes, because if we look at some of the practice, we see a kind of series of cycle. Every four, five, six years, you have different phases and fads of UX. And there I would say, yes, it is. Like I was mentioning earlier, in the mid-90s, we were talking about web design. And then we began to talk about information architecture in the end-90s, early 2000s. Who today talks about information architecture? Very few people. But if you go deep into the practice, a strong part of the activity of UX is information architecture. And so that's why I say, yes, it's old wine. But at the same time, we have a change of context. And the change of context is brought by technological development and by behavior. Look at everyday people, how they're using... Uh, their smartphone. Go back five years ago, go back in 2007, 8 when uh, iPhone was launched and go back in 98, 99 when it was Nokia. And you have different sets of behaviors which are impacting our job as designers because we need to understand how these devices and the software are used, are consumed, and you have to design or redesign some elements so that it is both meaningful and convenient. The challenge of design is to make sure that uh, you get in phase with convenience. And that is why uh, you need some old, but you need also to refresh it. So, so from the old and the present, where do you see the world of user experience actually moving in the future? Uh, with so much adoption online, how do, you, how do you see the field actually evolving? That's a, that's a complex one because... Uh, Projecting ourselves, which is the activity of, uh, of design, projecting ourselves in the future is always uh, complex. And today, what happened this last uh, two months with COVID, we have some disruptive elements which are shaking quite a number of assumptions. So yes, many activities are going to move online will be a natural reflection. But at the same time, we know the human being gets tired of some stuff and we'll go back to some real-life face-to-face activity. So my look at all this is that how do we have to rethink systems where online activities will need to be rebalanced and repositioned in a better way with on-site, on-ground activity? Because look, for example, to be very concrete. How many people are doing Zoom meetings now per day during confinement? 
how many people are getting fed up of Zoom. We call that Zoom fatigue. And so as designer, we need to rethink some of the context of usage where people have to rebalance some of their activities so that it remains meaningful and pleasurable. And to answer to your question, UX will need to move from pixel and screens to much more. And if you look at 90% of so-called UX activities, they are UI activities. There is this confusion between user interface design and user experiences. And now comes the real moment to do strong strategic experience design. Though I mentioned to you that designing experience is something we don't do. We design conditions for experience to happen. And that is where we have interesting layers between strategic design, object design, space design, service design. All this need to be rebalanced and rethought in a more systemic way. And that is the challenge fact, I see. You know, in fact, um, Alok, your answer brings me to a very interesting uh, moment when you, when you speak about, you know, there are different layers between all of these areas. Uh, you know, at Avantika University, we coined this term designering, which, which talks about design and engineering actually merging and interplaying uh, within the industry and workplace. Do you think it's relevant? Do you think, do you think that's, that's how the world is moving towards? Yes, it is. And uh, I would add that there are two ways of looking at it. Engineering by itself is trying to answer the question of how and what. Design answers also the question of how in a more larger scope and why. So you need this ping pong between these questions and design and engineering are busy with these questions in different ways. So that's one way. The other way I would add is that what you coined as this designering comes in resonance with a, an MBA program I was busy with some years ago in France, where they call their MBA program business nearing. So you have this business and engineering talking to each other. And my suggestion here is to work on designering to be able to get into resonance with three other areas, because we are talking here about designers and engineers. But we have policymakers, we have society, be it civil society, and we have the user. And so designering is important and necessary if it is well positioned vis-a-vis -vis the other stakeholders. And that is my suggestion in terms of thinking about the future of designering, is making sure that it talks to society in meaningful ways. So moving from designering, my one interesting aspect is, what do you think are these critical skills that today's young designers, whether they are engineers or uh, uh, you know, design folks need to create, uh, you know, you need to develop so that they have a successful career and growth in their domain. So what, what are those critical skills? One of the most fundamental critical uh, skill is to be based on curiosity building. You can't do critique or can't be critical if you don't know what is happening. And so you need to absorb novels, films. You need to be open not only to do engineering or design activities, but you need to absorb humanities. 
you need to watch movies, you need to read poetry, you need to read philosophy. You need to understand what are the voices of people in their multiplicity in order to build critical skills. And then you need to be agnostic about tools and methods. That would be my suggestion. Otherwise, you are not in a position to be critical. You are getting into a school of thought and you are copy and pasting a recipe. And when we look at practice nowadays, one of the challenges I see, and I'm, I'm talking there from the design point of view, is that you need to be able to critic quickly the system in place. The same question is different when you have an engineering point of view, because when you are active as an engineer, your challenge is to make the stuff exist, taking into account constraints which can be material, which can be physical, infrastructural. And so designing here brings an interesting uh, approach, which is both critical at the early phase and continue to be critical during the making of the stuff. And that is where I would react to your question about critical skills. I think that's, a, that's an absolutely relevant uh, suggestion. In fact, Alok, we now move on to our last segment uh, on our podcast, which we call as Gyan Vyan. So it's, it's a very quickie takeaway segment. I'll toss a few questions to you. We would want to hear your spontaneous top of the mind responses towards the same. Okay. Right. So are we good to go on this? Yep. Can you tell me, uh, can, you, can you define user experience uh, to a novice? So you, you need three days to explain that. And so I would say... The proof is in the pudding. Good user experience is when you don't have to explain user experience. Okay. <laughs> okay. And my next question is, what's your favorite design process uh, or the one that you often use? Storytelling as a way to trigger conversation and then extract from those conversations interesting insights. Okay. And what would you pick? New morphism or material design? Oh, it depends. On? Context of usage, because okay, you need to be able to adapt. Okay, interesting. And what's your preferred method of primary research? Which tool or system do you use? Scanning anecdotes and looking for small signals. Okay. And can you name an app or a website that meets your ideal UX design definition? Oh, that is the challenging question. Uh, an app would be today... Spotify. Okay. And one advice you would give to your 15-year-old self while choosing your career path? Keep doing many things at the same time. Keep the eyes open. And my last question in this segment is, if if you were in a movie, uh, and, and let's imagine your organization is, is a part of this, what role would you be playing in that movie? Would you be the main hero, villain, the best friend of the hero? What role would you be playing? Often I'm trying to be behind the camera. So okay. you are asking me to be in front of the camera. Yes. Then I would choose a role you didn't mention, which is the architect. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. Thank you, Alok. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it was a fantastic conversation. And I'm sure there's a lot for our listeners to learn from this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for it. Hey there, we hope you enjoyed our show. Do write to us on ads at the rate avantika.edu.in. 
We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hub Hopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Make sure you follow us on social media Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and tune in with us on our journey and don't forget to share it with your friends.